a lot of the the meaning I I see in that in my own life is if I can encourage someone to just keep hoping and they can pass that hope on mm-hmm. to someone mm-hmm. and they can pass that hope on to the next generation then part of part of God establishing our walk is just the continuation of the encouragement of the body through the generations Welcome to the Habit Podcast Conversations with Writers About Writing I'm Jonathan Rogers your host Hannah Huben is a young writer, poet, and lyricist. Her stage show, All the Wrecked Light, explores Psalm 90 in three acts, and it includes 12 songs performed by at least seven or eight singer-songwriters or bands, each of whom wrote the music for the lyrics Hannah had written for them. In short, All the Wrecked Light is a marvel of collaboration. Hannah and her team are currently raising funds to turn All the Wrecked Light into a studio album. You can find out more by searching for All the Wrecked Light at kickstarter.com or by clicking the link in the show notes. Hannah Huben, I'm so glad that you are on the Habit Podcast today. Thanks for being here. Hey, Jonathan. It's an honor. <laughs> uh, so you are, uh, you have written and collaborated with uh, a lot of other artists and theologians and pastors and Bible teachers on a project, a stage show um, that I was um, very uh, fortunate to know about from the beginning, um, All the Wrecked Light, um, where you explore Psalm 90, and there's a little bit of T.S. Eliot, The Hollow Men thrown in there. Um, and so I just I want to talk about that. And, and you, you have been a collaborator from way back. Um, and... And well, I saw something interesting in your in your bio um, that I want to that I want to read back to you. And um, and I thought that I thought from what I know of Hannah, this is this is just right. So um, you said um, uh, I say you said it's in third person. One suspects you wrote it and put it in third <laughs> For Hannah, using language as her craft means stewarding both the capacity and the limitations of the written word, finding the fine edge of what writing alone can communicate, and leaning upon other artists for what it cannot. I think it's really interesting. This, this, you being aware of the limitations of what writing can do, um, and then moving beyond those limitations by connecting with with people who do other things besides the written word. Um, tell me about that. Yeah. Um, man, it, it sounds pretentious when you read it back. I think, I think, uh, probably the like uglier heart of it is that I've, I've always wanted to be a very independent person who mm-hmm. did everything. And it's, it's always been frustrating to me that words can't communicate everything. Um, yeah. And I'm not a painter. I'm not a musician. Um, I've, I've tried and that's just not me. And, and maybe if I tried harder, I'd, I'd get further. I probably would, but um, they're not intuitive to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's so many forms of art that communicate um, beyond words that I just, uh-huh. can't, I can't walk in. Um, and that's all, that's just a source of frustration for me. Um, yeah. And and part of what makes me feel better <laughs> is collaborating with, with people who who can give that sense to my words. Interesting. Um, the 
you're 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 quite young, um, and a, a lot of I think it's not, it seems to me unusual that a a writer who is as gifted as you, as young as you, um, is also willing to um, to to approach the work with the kind of humility that you're talking about here, and that um, I, I think it's it's really hard for a young artist. Um, I think. Let me just. I guess I should. You should use I statements here. When I was your age, right, it was really hard for me to think of writing or art as as outside of. I'm somehow going to prove myself. I'm going to. Um, uh, I'm going to make a name for myself, or I'm going to um, you know show people what I can do. And it. One thing I've always appreciated about about the way you approach what you do is this willingness to, um, as you said, you know, bring other people in to make, to make what you do, uh, better. I mean, did you, do you remember how you, was there, was there a time when you found it hard to invite other people in because that means they get some of the credit? Oh, I still find it hard. Sure. You still find <laughs> sure. it hard? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, th- I think I'll, maybe a lot of that recognition has just, come from reading. I grew up reading. Um, my, my parents gave us a box of books every Christmas, still do. Um, and so I grew up being immersed in a lot of really, really good words and, and also recognizing that there were things that words couldn't communicate um, because I read so much and, and still didn't get the sense that, you know, a piano sonata gives you or just like, Lewis talks about the sound of a waterfall um, mm-hmm. when he talks about longing um, mm-hmm. and words, words don't get there. And so I've seen so many writers who are far more experienced than me, far older than me, um, maybe, maybe more gifted than, than me. Um, certainly I've spent tons of more time on it, not quite communicating that. And so it would, it would seem really odd for me to think that I could, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, it, it, on the one hand, it would seem odd. On the other hand, I think that's what most, especially young writers think, you know, that, that they're going to reach a point where, um, um, or they, they, sh- I guess I should say shoot for or desire to do it all uh, with words. So I think it's, I think it's really interesting that you're, you're willing to say, I'm going to go as far as words will go. And then I'm going to bring in somebody else, um, which is what you did in this stage show, um, All the Wrecked Light, um, and uh, which I was very blessed to be sort of, in one sense, in on the ground floor on, um, because it was at your senior project at New College Franklin. And uh, But as I, I said in the introduction, when I, when I got introduced that, to say that I was your faculty advisor is a little bit like saying I was Serena Williams tennis coach, right? She doesn't need a whole lot of coaching. She just, you know, <laughs> needs somebody to sign the paper. Um, and, but, but you, um, uh, you rounded up songwriters. Um, so you wrote the lyrics, you brought in songwriters to write the, write the, the music. And I assume they also, did they also, 
get mixed up with the with the lyric process too? Um, very very little. Um, really? which was really surprising me. Um, and yeah, we we didn't we didn't edit a lot of lyrics. Um, and and I just attribute that to working with really great musicians who could take take whatever I did and and kind of give some form to it. Yeah. Um, some of these musicians, a lot of them you didn't know ahead of time. You just kind of okay. called them out of the blue and said, I'm doing this thing. Would you help me? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They were artists that when I was writing the, the lyrics, I kind of had their music in my head. Um, mm-hmm. I knew, you know, this is, this is the sort of style I want for this song. Um, sometimes I would, I would listen to their music while I was writing the song. Cause I, like, that was the field I wanted. Um, and then when I got ready to to ask different bands, I just shot a note to them. Um, yeah. And they so kindly accepted. Yeah. I guess. Did you have people tell you no? I don't even know you and you're, I'm not going to collaborate with you. Um, for sure. There was, there was one set of songs in particular um, that eventually ended up being picked up by Carousel Rogues and, and Caitlin Anselmo, who's now producing the album. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad for all the other folks who said no, but, uh, yeah. but that, that piece was a mess. I wanted it to be a rap initially and that wasn't working. Um, <laughs> An app? A rap. Oh, a rap. Yeah. <laughs> <You're saying app. laughs> yeah. Since you really are branching out here. <laughs> um, yeah, that one was, that was really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I put it, I, I, it wasn't fair the way I put it. I said, you know, they tell you, I don't know you and therefore I'm not going to collaborate. I'm sure nobody said that to you. A lot of people just didn't respond. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, and so, okay. Re- remind me who did, who are the, the, the other, the musicians who collaborated with you on this project? Yeah. Uh, Dennis Parker of Vicky yeah. Spears in Kentucky Thunder. Uh, Cardiff State. Uh, yeah. Ella Mine. Uh, St. Don and Slumber, which is a, uh, Ella's instrumental duo with her husband, Isaac. Um, uh, Wild Harbors, Justin Schumacher, and uh, Kia Selvig. Okay. Um, all right. Now, the – and the other, you know, you're also collaborating with um, the psalmist. Yeah. And with T.S. Eliot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so what, what do you see as the connection between, um, uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm to say you're collaborating with them. How do you, would you say you were collaborating with the Psalmist and with T.S. Eliot and as you, as you wrote this, uh, you know, that that's a question I've been thinking about a lot lately. Cause I was just a part of, um, something that the rabbit room did for Hutchmoot um, called Pass the Peace, where yeah. uh, a painter gave me a painting and then I wrote a poem based on it. And then I wrote a poem and, and sent it to a painter and he painted it. And, and there was a lot of conversation about whether or not we could consider that process collaboration mm. uh, because we really weren't talking to each other while we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more kind of like a, almost like a call and response, like a, a, yeah. a little bit. Um, and I guess that's that's very similar to, to if we're going to call this collaboration with the psalmist. It's just yeah. separated out by a couple thousand years. Yeah, um, right. That he wrote it and, and I kind of responded to it. Yeah. Um, 
And and I I think it it does work because because the end product is is created together. Uh huh. Yeah. You just, just didn't know it, and it was important. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, well, I think you're you're always you know whatever you write, you're always entering into a conversation that's been going on a lot longer than than you've been there. Yeah. And um, and that's the sense I get from you know the all the rec light your 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 show is that this is um you know a group of people entering into a conversation that's been going on um mm. for a long long time and um and so you know one thing i really ap- appreciate about about what you're doing is you're saying okay i'm young but that doesn't mean i don't have anything to contribute to this conversation mm. um and and i don't have to um you know, I don't have to be, I don't have to know the whole conversation. I don't have to be the loudest voice in the conversation. This is just what I've got to offer right now um, for this. Yeah. Um, and it's a beautiful contribution to contribute to, to the conversation, by the way. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm super proud of it. Super proud of you. Uh, I, since you were my student, I've, I often say I've, I've tried to find ways to take credit for Hannah's, uh, uh, brilliance, but uh, now I've just decided I'm just going to take joy instead of trying to take credit. Um, okay. So, um, tell me about Psalm 90. How did you settle on Psalm 90 as a as what you wanted to devote this much time and energy to? Yeah. Um, in in some ways, I guess I thought about it a lot, and in other ways, I didn't. I uh, the night before my high school graduation, I sat down and kind of just was feeling a little overwhelmed by life and wanted to to write a prayer. Um, for some reason, writing prayers is just, it's, it's an easier way for me to talk to God sometimes. Write a prayer um, for the next four years of my life. And I had, he just a number of days, that, that verse from Psalm 90 in my head. And I, I didn't even know where it came from. Um, but I was like, that's that's kind of what I want for college. I don't I don't want to lose focus. Um, and so I, I found the verse in Psalm 90 and read Psalm 90 and thought, well, this is this is good. This is good stuff for college. And wrote, wrote a prayer that I ended up praying um, pretty consistently those four years. Um, so in, in that sense, I, I thought about Psalm 90 a lot. Um, and when I got to the end of end of college and I had to to do this project um, that eventually became all the light. Um, it seemed as good a place to start as any. Um, but then from the other side of it, I, I knew the medium I wanted. I knew I wanted to write lyrics and I knew I wanted to send them to different artists to do the music. And from my own very small experience in art and writing right now, I've, I'm already at a place where I, I'm not quite sure it matters too much what you choose what topic you choose um mm. when you're creating something you kind of you pick something and then you just you gotta stop mining it um mm. and so i i had psalm 90 in my head for the last four years and just picked it and trusted the creative process i guess yeah interesting can you do you have any more to say about this idea that that it maybe it doesn't matter that much which topic you start with you just mine what's what's what you got what's in front of you i think i think because truth is as everywhere as the created world is that mm-hmm. the truth is going to exist when we encounter the creative world. 
and and we're not going to be able to avoid the created world. Yeah. Uh, seen as part of it and why in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, God, God's going to reveal himself um, and truth and beauty and um, reality, the way the world works is going to reveal itself. And that's what we find interesting. I mean, that's what, that's what makes good art is um, looking at the world in a, in a clear and helpful way. Um, yeah. And yeah. So, that's great. And as you, as you, as you pay attention, you know, yeah. you look the world to grace and you, um, and you, uh, the, the, as you said, the, the truth reveals itself. I think that's what I think you just said that, um, if you just pay attention. So I, I love, um, I think there's a, I think that's, that's a, that's a very wise way of talking about, um, invention. Um, you know, it is, it is easy to say, I'm just going to sit here and, and, whenever I come up with some, some brilliant topic, then I'm going to start making something. And, uh, you know, do you, or do you not believe that the world is shot through with meaning? Mm-hmm. And if you do, everything is a starting place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, the, the last verse of, uh, of Psalm 90, um, oh. says, you know, one of the phrases there is, I think it's the last verse, establish the work of our hands. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean to you as a, as a person who makes things and, and collaborates with other people? And tell me about that, that idea of, of, of the prayer, establish the work of, of our hands. Yeah, that's, um, I feel like that's, that's kind of the question of Psalm 90 because you, Psalm 90 is 17 verses. And um, for just about 16 of them, uh, the psalmist, who we think was Moses, actually, um, is, is really emphasizing the, uh, the de-establishment of the work of our hands, the, the frailty of man, um, mm. the, uh, the temporality of his existence and anything he does. It's, um, it's, it's like a very compact and compounded Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities. Mm-hmm. Um, all throughout it. And then it ends with establish the walk of our hand. Um, and it's either really mean, um, really sarcastic, or the, the psalmist is doing something there. Um, and I think, I think in some ways I can, I can lean into that question and acknowledge that acknowledge the possibility that, that it, it might be true that God can establish um, the work we do. And, and I, and I also really believe that the things God establishes last forever. Um, I think I can, I can begin to hope in that because the psalmist has been so honest with me about the things I recognize is true. Um, Cause I, like one of the most offensive things you can do to a child is tell them something that they know isn't true. Um, it's just belittling, you know, if a child knows that they did something really poorly and you say, oh, that was a really good job. They're going to hate that because they know it wasn't. Um, and, and people are just grown up kids. Um, <laughs> so that they don't want to be told that, um, everything they do is going to last forever in, in the way that they want it to, because they know it won't, um, mm. you know, and, and like on the Kickstarter page, I say that, um, this was a one night show and I, I want to make it into an album because I want to make it into something lasting, but it's not going to last. We're not even making CDs because people don't even listen to CDs anymore. We're going to put it up on Spotify and Spotify isn't going to last. 
you know, eventually, yeah. eventually people are going to lose track of it. Um, you know, hopefully after I die, so I feel better about it, but um, <laughs> you know, it, it's not going to stick around forever. Um, and, and the psalmist is really honest about that. So then when he gets to that point, establish the work of our hands, and this is what he's praying and this is what he's hoping for. I'm able to lean into that hope because he's been so honest that, um, that that's, that's not going to look like this thing I made always being in this world hmm. forever. Um, but that there's something the, the Lord can do um, that makes what we create more meaningful and more lasting than honestly, our, our own bodies. Um, Do you have any predictions about what that, what that, what, if, if, as you say, and and you're, you're right, this work is going to disappear. Someday these Spotify servers will crash. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and this, this, your work, my work is going to be forgotten about by the, by the, the citizens of the earth. So, um, the 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 prayer establish our work is a prayer for is a prayer for what? Um, I think in the psalm it's it's leaning towards resurrection, um, and that's that's what I do in the in the production. Um, there's there's a lot of connections that the psalmist is making um, to uh, hope that the Old Testament has in resurrection, and, and that appears in some of the Hebrew. Um, references to mourning um, that was always associated with resurrection mm-hmm. in the Jewish culture. Um, so, so you have these hints at, at something coming back to life. Um, and, and for us in, in our art and creativity, I, I think that goes back to what we were talking about where we're, you said looking the world back to grace, but we're, we're looking at the created world and we're finding um what is good and what is true. Um, mm-hmm. And because those only, those only come from God mm-hmm. and God is established forever. Um, anything we can do that walks itself back to that yeah. is going to last. That part of it's going to last as long as he does. Yeah. And the, the, in the new heavens and the new earth, in the new earth, the only thing that's going to exist is reality. Yeah. Right. I mean, here we've got lots of unreality going on here, and yeah. and and you know the it's it's the work of the artist to to show us reality, yeah. and that reality is going to live. Um, whereas the the various unrealities, the various falsehoods, won't. Yeah. I love what um, um, uh, uh, more than once I've heard Pete Peterson talk about the idea that. Um, it's it is frustrating to be you know a human being and be limited to know that I can't I don't have time you know I can only write so many books and I can only you know produce so many stage shows just because you know you get seventy or eighty years and then you know and then that's it um, that's frustrating um, but as Pete says you don't just get seventy or eighty years like you've got. You've got eternity to continue to, to create. And, and, you know, when I think about the things we're talking about here, it's hard not to go straight to um, leaf by nickel, you know, from, and, 
and you know Nigel as a as a person who um, felt like the people around him were keeping him from doing his artistic work, um, finding out after the fact that um, that that was his work. The people around him were the work, and and that talk about the work of your hands being established. You know, for for all, for his little. Uh, his artwork to be part of that big tree at the end of the, I guess that's a spoiler, but, <laughs> uh, but, but for, for Niggle to feel like my work just disappeared and then to, to see it in the, in the new creation um, is uh, a great encouragement to me. Yeah. And, and that's an interesting point when you, when you say that his work was people um, because a lot of, so when I sit down and I think, okay, what does it look like maybe for God to establish the work of an artist? Um, a lot of the the meaning I I see in that in my own life is if I can encourage someone to just keep hoping and they can pass that hope on mm-hmm. to someone mm-hmm. and they can pass that hope on to the next generation, then part of, part of God establishing our work is just the continuation of the encouragement of the body through the generations. Um, which makes a lot of sense to me in this world. I don't have a paradigm for what it looks like to make art when people maybe aren't in need of encouragement, like in the, in the new heavens and the new earth. I don't know what that hmm. looks like. Hmm. Um, so encouragement is a key uh, idea of, of what you think art is for and what you're trying to do. I think so. The offering of, of hope. Yeah. I, I think that's what happens when we, when we come up against reality. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, you know, in the new heavens, new earth, there's no, there's no faith and there's no hope. Yeah. There's, there's love. The grace of these is love, but faith and hope aren't necessary. Yeah. And, and, and art kind of, if, if art is a way that we work ourselves to reality and kind of mediates between us, what happens when we're, we're face to face? Like, yeah. We don't need that anymore, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are deep waters. <laughs> um, okay. Well, um, tell me what you um, what you learned about your own work and about collaboration through the process of collaborating with. I mean, some really gifted yeah. musicians. Um, and then, you know, you had Michael Card um, consulting yeah. um, with, you know, in terms of your, your storytelling and your, uh, actually, I'm not sure what Michael Card was. What was Michael Card doing? Um, he was, he was one of the 14 uh, folks I met with uh, either before I started writing or as I was writing um, to just, just consult over the Psalm. Um, over the Hebrew, and then also just, you know, wh- what are the best ways for art to communicate the art? Uh-huh. And um, you you met with Nancy Guthrie and Russ Ramsey and some a rabbi or two. Yep, yep, some Anglican priests, uh, Dr. Paul Lim, who's a, a professor at Vandy. Oh yeah, right. Great folks, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's I mean, by the way. So you're collaborating both in this sort of academic and and theological sense, and also in the artistic. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, you know, one thing I suspected when I went into the project, um, 
which turned out to be um, more true than than I, I thought it was going to be, is that it's it's so much easier to make art when you're not lonely. Mm. Um, and so just knowing that, you know, I was going to work on it alone for a week, but then I had this meeting set up with somebody mm. and I was going to tell them, this is where I'm at with the project. These are my questions. These are, you know, some verses I'm struggling with or some lines I'm struggling with. Um, it's just easier uh, mm. to not be alone. And so in, in that sense, collaboration feels kind of selfish. Um, mm-hmm. Just using my friends to get me, get me through. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was definitely true. I, it's going to be pretty hard for me to, to not, to, to do a project that's not collaborative. I want to, um, mm-hmm. one of the things I want to do this year is go back to a novel I've been working on. Um, and that's really hard because that's going to be a, a, a lonelier project yeah. than this was. Yeah. Um, there, it is a, an unavoidable part of the process that you have to go be by yourself. Yeah. And, and do some stuff by yourself. Yeah. And, um, you know, I often put it, you got to go into the cave. Mm-hmm. But for me, I can't go into the cave unless I know there are people outside the cave who, who, you know, need what I'm bringing or who are there to help or who just love me. I can't live in the cave. I, yeah. I just, I'm not that interested in, in yeah. I mean, I, and I know that I know it sort of, sort of depends on, you know, introvert, extrovert, you know, kind of some, I know there are people who are much happier in the, in the cave than, mm-hmm. than I am, but, um, but I'm, you know, I'll, I'll go in the cave because you got to do it. And that's where my gifts are. But for crying out loud, I I I, I got to know there's people outside. Yeah, sure. yeah. So that was part of it for me. The another part of collaboration that was really good was it was just continually humbling because I was working with people um, who were older, wiser, had been doing this for years, had been doing things I had never done. You know, people who knew, know Hebrew. I don't know Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to change that, but right now, <laughs> you know, I'm, I I was leaning on so many people, um, and. And it was really humbling. Um, and it was also really encouraging because I think that's how the body of Christ is supposed to walk. You know, that's what Paul talks about. You know, if you have a hand, you don't try to do what the foot does. That'd be dumb. Um, <laughs> and so if I'm, you know, a 21-year-old college kid who doesn't know Hebrew, I'm not going to pretend to know Hebrew. That's not going to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather talk to folks who do. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, good. Well, um, I I. I love the end result. I loved the process, knowing that you were, um, that you were, you know, finding the limits of, of what, what you could do as a, as you with the written word and then moving beyond that through collaboration. I thought that was, I thought that was just a, uh, showed a lot of wisdom and, uh, and I, I was very encouraged by that whole process. So, so good on you. Um, I hope this thing, um, does become a studio album and that, that it's, you know, that the Lord establishes the work of your hands. All right. We've got to wrap up with the question that I always wrap up with. And that is who are the writers who make you want to write Hannah? Man. Um, for, for work like this songwriting, um, it, it, probably, it, it goes by genre for me for songwriting. Uh, Rich Mullins uh, mm-hmm. has been, um, huge for me the way he works with lyrics um i think is really masterful i don't know about enough about music um to know the way he works with music but i, I know i know he was great at it because um, it resonates with a lot of folks um 
but I, I think his his metaphors are beautiful and also very earthy. They touch ground. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he, he writes about Kansas because that's what he knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know Kansas, but I know the world, the the state I'm standing. Um, yeah. And and he was just he was just honest. Um, and he he got Ecclesiastes and he got Psalm ninety. Um, and he knew he knew his work wasn't going to last, and he was honest about that too. Um, so so for this stuff like this, probably him. Yeah. How about who are the poets that that make you want to? Do poets. John Manley Hopkins. Um, he the way he works with sprung rhythm, and the the force behind his words. Um, he he gives me a little bit of hope because because I think he really does something musical with his words. Mm, yeah. And so that that makes me think that maybe maybe words can tap a little bit into the territory of music. Um, yeah. In that regard, and that's exciting to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Words definitely do tap into the territory of music. Yeah. No question about that. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, All right. Well, Hannah Huben, as I said, uh, it, uh, may the Lord continue to establish the work of your hands. And uh, I suspect he already is establishing that work. So thanks for being on the Habit Podcast. Thank you, sir. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. And all our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate. Special thanks as well to Taylor Linhart for letting us use her song Diamonds as the theme music for season three of The Habit Podcast. You can learn more about Taylor and follow her work at taylorlinhart.com. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co.